Good morning, afternoon or evening, wherever you are in the world and welcome to the bloody awesome movie podcast. My name is Matt Hudson and wishing everyone uh, greetings of the season as well. And joining me from across the pond, he's a statesman to my kingsman, a jolly good fellow. It's John Burke from Burke Reviews. How are you, sir? I'm doing very well, Matt. Uh, staying quite warm here in Florida, despite it being December 29th. It's uh, I don't know how hot for sure, but it's hot. I just walked my dogs and I was uncomfortable. So <laughs> <laughs> I'm guessing you didn't have snow for Christmas. Mm. It was not a white Christmas, although it was actually somewhat chilly on Christmas. It is no longer. Uh, we are in what feels like summertime mode almost um, today. Not quite as hot as like August, but it's definitely mm-hmm. hotter than it's been. It's warmer over here than it usually is. It was wet on Christmas Day, but uh, I would be remiss for not asking how was your how were the celebrations in the Burke House? Uh, they were they were good. Um, you know, we kept it quite simple. Uh, we made uh, New York strips for our Christmas oh, day damn, dinner. Yeah. Um, that my wife uh, my wife picked out, and they were quite exquisite. Uh, they were rather <laughs> thick and large uh, New York strips. They looked like something Fred Flintstone would indulge in. They were they were quite a lot of steak um, in the best way, of course. Uh, and of course. We, you know, I made um, some baked potatoes and. Uh, some zucchini and squash, and I got kind of fancy. Made it look ratatouille style, like I lined them up in a in a pan and roasted nice. those. Um, uh, it was it was a good Christmas dinner. We had we actually uh, opened all of our presents on Christmas Eve um, so that we could sleep in because my daughter's almost eighteen. Um, Fair dues, that's uh, that's acceptable. Yeah, and yeah, so like you know, we uh, we did the presents thing, and then um, it's a tradition. Uh, I've I can't even remember when it started for me, but I make cinnamon rolls. That's a strong statement. We buy the Pillsbury Doughboy uh, canned <laughs> yeah, cinnamon rolls yeah. um, and make those uh, every Christmas morning. So, like, I, you know, I made that for everybody um, for breakfast and then, again, the steaks for, for lunch. And then we just had um, – my wife did, like, a – it wasn't a charcuterie board, but it was, like, you know, we had some sausage and some cheeses and some broccoli and some cauliflower nice. and a big tray on Christmas Eve that we kind of just ate on uh, also on Christmas Day, like, when w- people were hungry again because our, our dinner was – gigantic those steaks were it very looked, very filling so. jb sent me a picture of i think these three kind of like half cows on a barbecue and I, it was just a sight to behold honestly it made it made christmas that more that extra few percent better just seeing that amount of meat on the barbecue on the grill oh but, um how about your celebrations uh you got to do you got to play santa uh, yes, played Santa. Um, Christmas Day was very nice, spent with the family and had the traditional uh, Christmas meal, you know, turkey and everything else to go along with it, which is nice. Uh, though I indulged heavily on Christmas Eve on brandy and woke up with a headache on Christmas Day. I don't even like brandy. Um, but uh, I thought, hey, it's Christmas Eve, why not? And I, I came out the loser in that battle. But um, And then Christmas Boxing Day, which is the 26th for us, I went and got the little one. Yeah, and, and Father Christmas certainly did deliver. Um, Father Christmas didn't realise how much he, he'd got. To put it like that, and it wasn't until Father Christmas had put all of the uh, assorted gifts out that I, Father Christmas realised, oh boy, you've done quite a lot there. And I, I keep using the Father Christmas, just in case a little one can hear in the next room. So, yes, um, yes. Santa Claus, Father Christmas is very uh, generous, and the little one had a great time. It's you know It's all about the kids, isn't it? So uh, can, can you... Indulge my American and explain to me the the Boxing Day thing. I don't know. 
genuinely i've had to google it before i don't know if it like some people say it is the day the day after christmas is where you box up your old stuff or or something like that and you pack it all away this is like going back to victorian and days and beyond so the 1800s and that so i don't really know but in decades gone by it would be a day where you know everything was uh, I, I can't think of what the what the comparable day in the states is but you know everything shuts down for the day you have it you have a, everyone has a day off um uh, i can't think what it's called like a labor day thing i guess where everyone has a day off all the businesses are closed all the shops are closed but in recent years profit comes first all the shops are now open on on the day after christmas and they've got sales and you know everyone goes wild apart from me shopping yeah so i, I don't really know this it's an old it's an odd tradition i don't know if it's a commonwealth thing or just a uk thing but um hmm. this is kind of you know so we have christmas eve christmas day and boxing day celebrations uh boxing day is usually a hangover uh like food hangover from christmas day um but it's just another day excuse for everyone to get together basically which is what we did we went to my brother's house and everyone got together and that was um an awful lot of fun so uh now is the kind of that in between period between christmas and new year i'm considering well i am going back to the gym getting back on it um but um i'll i will go into that slightly more later on but no it was good my friend it was good to uh have a few a few days off for christmas and it was good to uh reconnect and see everybody again but it's also good to reconnect and speak to yourself again, my friend, on the bloody awesome movie podcast. And uh, for those who are listening for the first time, that's how our Christmases went. And secondly, uh, this on this show, we have non-spoiler reviews of the major or most interesting release of the week. Uh, and we give our thoughts and opinions on it. And then on the following Monday, we'll drop a spoiler mini-sode. Give us about 12 to 15 minutes where we go full spoiler. But tonight we are going to be dropping a non-spoiler review of the Matrix Resurrections. Now I have to get that name right because every time I talk to John about it, I can never remember if it's Revelations, Resurrections, Revolutions, Reloaded, Resurrections, Matrix Four, directed by Lana Wachowski, uh, returning the the sole returning Wachowski. Uh, she also wrote it, or based on the characters that the Wachowski sisters created. Uh, David Mitchell and Alexander Heman also wrote it, and of course it stars. Keanu Reeves and Carrie Ann Moss returning to their respective roles of Neo and Trinity, uh, Yaya Abdul-Mateen II, Jonathan Groth, Jess Henwick and Neil Patrick Harris also star. And the IMDb synopsis, so no spoilers, but IMDb says about the film, <laughs> return to a world of two realities, one, everyday life, the other, what lies behind it, to find out if his reality is a construct, to truly know himself, Mr. Anderson will have to choose to follow the white rabbit once more. Now, if you haven't seen The Matrix, none of that would have made any sense whatsoever to nope. you. But uh, let's go to the, the scores on critically on Rotten Tomatoes, 65%, 64% on Metascore, 5.8 IMDb user score and 3.1 out of 5 on letterbox if you're in the uk or most international territories it's available in theaters but it's also available on hbo max on the states isn't it jb uh correct it is on hbo max um it dropped uh i want to say last wednesday uh the 23rd 22nd 22nd was it was it, was it, a, it was a day and date wasn't it yes it was uh hmm. did, which is the current warner brothers model for uh this year yeah. and apparently at least for batman next year um, like, which is well, I think it's like it's about a month after or the forty. It's a theatrical window, forty-five days, isn't it? So, which for someone like Batman seems like it might slightly have might have longer legs than forty-five days. But 
Uh, we'll see. Batman may be mentioned later on as well. But um, So, as I mentioned, we have non-spoiler reviews. So if you haven't seen the film, don't worry, we won't spoil it other than what we've just mentioned in the plot. Uh, or maybe we may talk about plot points from the other three films. So uh, The Matrix Resurrection, as I mentioned, is the fourth film in The Matrix saga. I believe the last one was 2003. I believe that was with Revolutions, which I wasn't a fan of. I like the first one. I think most people generally at least like The Matrix from 1999. I think it's, I happen to think it's very good. Uh, Reloaded, I don't know if I want to call it underrated or not, but I do like uh, Reloaded. It's got a wonderful chase scene. I know um, JB's a fan as well, that Mm -hmm. fabulous chase scene. But Revolutions, which is the third one, I don't know, just felt too, I don't know, it, it felt like it strayed too far from what the first Matrix is set up. And I do think that with each subsequent film, they do start to stray further and further and further from what made the first film feel so good, which for me was, yes, you had bullet, you had the bullet time and the f- awesome technical achievements. You had some great action, but it, f- it still felt more personal to me. It felt, I rewatched it the other day. It felt very much like this is Neo's story, focusing more on Neo uh, and the kind of take on the world around him. You've got the red pill and the blue pill and the Wachowskis look at social, uh, a social commentary in real life. And I think as a standalone film, it's wonderful. Uh, as sequels, I think, have started to muddy the water. And The Matrix 4, for me, uh, I said to John that this didn't work for me at all. And the more I've sat on it, the more I just didn't like this film. Uh, it has its moments. It has its moments, I think. Uh, I'll get the obvious thing out of the way. Keanu Reeves, whilst I acknowledge that he may not be the greatest actor in Hollywood, when he's in the right role, uh, he is very good, and he's very good as Neo. I think he was good as Neo. I think he, uh, I think he will slip back into the role very easily. And don't be fooled by the John Wick appearance; it's all all be revealed if you watch it. Carrie Anne Moss was good for what for what she had to do. Jessica Henwick. I mean, I follow anything that lady. Does. I think she's wonderful. I bow to her. I think she's very good. Uh, Yaya Abdul Mateen II uh, is, uh, as the trailers have showed, is our Morpheus, and I think he's good. But I'm not entirely sure the character was necessary for the story. I don't think anyway. Uh, and then uh, Neil Patrick Harris uh, was f- was fine. Jonathan Groff, Kristoff mm, um, from Frozen. Uh, I just he, uh, the character that he plays and portrays. I didn't feel the same kind of menace as his predecessor. I didn't find his character to be all that appealing. But. Um, and I know JB's going to jump on this point when he has his when he has his say. But the the film the uh, Lana Wachowski kind of tries for this very interesting meta quality, um, almost like satirical at times. And for me, it, it becomes satire and then parody. I think it's a really interesting idea what she's aiming for, and I generally do think it is. And it's a shame because the spoiler review will be able to speak more about it. But I do generally think it's an interesting idea what she was aiming for in the first kind of forty minutes maybe of the film. Um, though there was one or two moments in that where I thought, oh, oh please don't go down this direction. It, they kind of did. And then after that, it, it it kind of lost its way for me. It became uh, more a kind of a love story, which is good. The angle was good. But it just kind of felt like a smattering of action sequences thrown together leading up to a big finale, which did not hold any weight for me. Um, I don't think there's anything... Uh, revolutionary about the film and I'm, and I know it's wrong to expect a film to have something to blow you away just because its predecessors did but I mean the first Matrix had all of the technological advancements the second one had a bonkers good car chase scene 
the third one didn't uh, whereas this one just didn't have anything that i can really cling on to that was memorable uh, again there, there were good moments within it again i think uh keanu reeves is good as neo some of his interactions with other characters are good i think jess henwick's character bugs i think she's good and the love angle you know the love story which kind of like then after about 40 odd minutes of the film per- it becomes the plot i think that's good i mean i like that i like they didn't just go for a straight up remake or reboot of the first film. They, you know, they carried on these characters stories. Cause the big question I had, and a lot of other people had was how are they bringing these characters back? Cause if you've seen the other films, that question will become a lot more obvious. How are they bringing them back? Uh, <sighs> the question I had was why are they bringing them back? And uh, JP, I'm sorry to say when I came out of the theater, my, my first thoughts were, what was the point of this? Why did they do this? And they even mention it in the film, which is even more infuriating, but I just didn't see a reason for this to exist. I don't know if the matrix is as big or profitable as the studio thought. I don't know if they thought they were going to have a, a huge hit franchise on the hand or money spinner. I don't know. I know Lana Wachowski's had some issues, but personal issues, which are, or, um, you know, tragedy, which is never nice to hear. And it potentially was more of a personal project project, but at the same time as a project, I just didn't get anything out of it. My friend, um, I think you may have been slightly higher than I am, but I do lean more to that IMDb 5.8 user score. Didn't hate it. I don't think it was a horrible mess, but I was so disappointed coming out because as a franchise, two thirds of it, I don't mind. And now it's 50% of it. I don't mind because this fourth one just didn't work for me. I think it's better than the third film at least, but um, what are your thoughts on it though, my friend? So I'm on, I would say the much higher end than you. (laughs) I I love this movie. Um, I saw it uh, a week before it came out um, for the general public at a critic screening uh, with my editor, David and a a longtime friend and a friend of the, the relative podcast Burke reviews. uh, Brandon was there. Um, Big tuna was not able to attend that night because he had got uh, food poisoning, ironically from tuna. Um, (laughs) And uh, I mean, he's okay now. So, uh, um, when the movie ended, uh, I, I was worried. I loved it. And I was like, am Mm -hmm. I going to be the only one? And I looked to my right and my friend and editor, David also loved it. Turned around. Brandon was like enthralled, just so excited. I'm like, okay, good. And then I heard all the other critics in the room. Oh no. (laughs) Who didn't seem to like it at all. Um, one guy who came had never seen the other three. Oh, well, come which on. I'm like, you can't expect to like this because well, this movie is definitely a, a retelling and reimagining and repurposing of the old content. Now, mm-hmm. I want to address one of your questions before we get any further. Uh, yes, it sir. is on record that Warner Brothers was trying to get a Matrix movie made. Mm-hmm. And if Lana hadn't directed it, someone else would have. And it wouldn't have been this movie. It would have been a cash grab reboot or, you know, legacy sequel maybe not with Keanu and maybe it's good. Maybe it's not. You're right. Like there had been rumors for years about them bringing it back. And it's always possible uh, for them to do that because of the nature of the matrix. Like it would have been very easy to just have new characters and explain them away. If you understand what these movies are. Right. Um, And. um, So Lana does the movie basically to make sure no one else gets to. Now, it's important when you think of IP, because you might think, oh, the Wachowski created this. How could anyone else get to? Mm -hmm. They didn't own the IP. There's one filmmaker-writer pair 
in the industry right now who owns their properties that way. And it's Bob Gale and Robert Zemeckis and Back to the Future. Everything that is Back to the Future has to go through them. Nothing can be made without their approval. And they, they are the only two. Yeah, and they're the only two. They're yeah. the, like Spielberg and Indiana Jones. Nope. Or Lucas and Indiana Jones. Nope. Anyone can do it. Star Wars. Obviously, Lucas doesn't own Star Wars anymore. So anything Disney wants to do with Star Wars, they can do. Yep. The only creators that exist that have full control right now of their IP is those two guys. And every other IP, the the industry owns and they can do whatever they want with. And so Lana getting the opportunity to take it back and do something like this, that is 100% not going to work for everybody, mm-hmm. but it has a very clear vision. It has a very clear focus. Um, there's a lot of really good interviews with the... Uh, the, the the Wachowski's old writing partner, I forget his name, but he directed V for Vendetta. He's in the interview that I included oh, on this link. Um, yep. and, uh, he's, he's been talking about it. And then, um, you know, Lana's done some, some press. I haven't seen much with her, but, um, James, I think this movie, director. I, I think this movie does exactly what Lana wanted it to do. I think it's really interesting. I think there's a lot of interesting thoughts. I don't know if everything is explained, but I don't know if the matrix has ever tried to like give us content. Like they've always been very philosophical, right? Like the mm-hmm. end of the second movie where a lot of people hate the end of the second movie, the architect. I loved that scene. It's wild. I don't know if I fully understand what the architect's saying. Maybe <laughs> yeah. it makes sense. Maybe it doesn't make sense, but I love the thoughts. Um, um, and um, I think that this movie is doing exactly what Lana wants. And for me, I had a blast watching it. Um, mm-hmm. And I've come around hard on the, the sequels. I still have more issues with the third movie, but as a collective trilogy, I like it. One of my favorite film critics who I talk about kind of every week with Blank Check, uh, David Sims, um, yep. he has been on the, like, the argument the counter for anyone who dislikes the entire trilogy he is a huge strong supporter of of the trilogy and the wachowskis in general if you like our podcast if you haven't listened to blank check i highly recommend doing the wachowski run where they watch all the wachowski movies and talk about them week after week i have grown to be a big big fan of the wachowskis i i like every movie they've done to some degree i don't love jupiter ascending but i see value in it partly because they are making blockbusters that are not, like the anti-blockbuster. They somehow continue to get to make these wild movies with big budgets and long run times that deal with philosophy and existentialism in, in mm-hmm. ways that no other blockbuster filmmaker gets to tackle this kind of content. Cloud Atlas. I'm a big fan of Cloud you, Atlas. I think that's a very, very right. good film. And I would argue with the exception maybe of, of matrix, which I actually, obviously the matrix was not loved by everybody either is their movies are always divisive and that Jupiter I, think is, is, I mean yeah the cloud atlas was extremely divisive jupiter ascending sure. we know that um speed racer i think that's become more uh i think more people have heard of it in recent years and potentially when it came out yes and me. i mean that movie's brilliant um and looks fantastic it's just mm-hmm. such a underappreciated movie um and understandably so right like i get it um and it is hard when you love something like I love this movie uh, to hear so much hatred and negative and not to just be like, well, you just don't get it. And it's probably true in some cases. Some people probably don't get it. And 
they, that doesn't mean I fully get it either. I, I got something and the something I got was, was enjoyment. I, I got to think about things. I liked a lot of the meta humor. Um, I, I listened to uh, the, the film cast uh, podcast, formerly the slash film cast podcast. Uh, yeah. Yesterday they did a review and they had Patrick Willems who does a really solid YouTube essay, like film essay channel um, as their, their guest And, uh, it was divided on the show. Uh, Dave Chen and um, Jeff Kanata didn't really like it. Uh, Devendra and Patrick loved it, and I'm on their side of it. Uh, and again, it, it was interesting because Dave and um, and Jeff and you have all like you have clear issues with certain parts of it, and yet there's still like there's still something here that you can't outright detract it as bad, right? Like oh, even yeah, no. Um, and I, I think that speaks volumes. And uh, the you know the I always reference David Ehrlich. Um, uh, usually, yes. again, I, I love his writing. Um, I don't always see. I, I he he really was down on Spider Man No Way Home, which I loved. And here he is loving Matrix Resurrections, That's but also compares it heavily to Spider Man No Way Home, and how that basically that Spider Man No Way Home is the blue pill to the blockbuster. And the Matrix Resurrections is the red pill to the oh, Very interesting. Very interesting. That's proper. That's pure Ehrlich, though, isn't it? It is. Uh, the dude's, he, he's such a good writer. Um, I was excited to see that he's a fan. Um, it, it actually does make sense because he is a bit of a contrarian. Um, he likes, uh, he often loves the, the more obscure things and the Matrix Resurrections. Again, while it is a blockbuster in, in the sense, it is also not. Um, I, we don't, we don't get into spoilers here, but there's a lot that the film dives into and kind of in a way retcon some things that I think are really, really interesting. And I loved, um, and I did, I like the new characters. I like bugs. I, I don't know if I fully understand the Morpheus situation, but I didn't dislike it. Um, I, I found it interesting. I am a big Neil Patrick Harris fan and I actually <laughs> really liked him in this. I thought, uh, his, his swarminess really paid off, uh, in big ways. Um, and I, I did like Jonathan Groff. I didn't realize who it was until later. Um, uh, there's these scenes with the boardroom that I just thought were really fun and crazy. And the montage, um, was there. I, I would say, and it's not even a complaint. Cause I didn't, the, to me, this movie flew by. Like I had no idea. It was like, when I'm like looking at my watch, like, Oh, it's almost over. Like I was, I was ready for more. Cause I was having such a blast watching this. I know that won't be everyone's uh, take on it, but I, I can't help but notice, though, this very overwhelming trend with theatrical release movies getting longer this year. Like, everything was over two hours. This year, it, man. Like, um, it feels like there's a necessity to have these films to be at least, at least at the bare minimum, 220, two hours and 20 minutes at the minute, where a lot of the time for me, uh, long time listeners will know that I, hey, look, I like a good long film as long as it can justify its runtime. And so many times do I watch a film that's two hours, 15 plus, and think it just didn't need to be that long. With this film, uh, I, I didn't, again, whilst it didn't hit me how I wanted it to, I'm not entirely sure it was like too long. Like, I think most films, even Spider Man, I think I could save a few off here and there. I don't think this film was too long, but it, 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 I agree totally to your point that blockbusters seem to be getting longer maybe it's just a million million dollars per minute or something they've got to be longer to justify their budget who knows yeah and i i don't know it, it seems to be a trend that maybe we need to reevaluate because sometimes a movie does need 
more time to tell the story. And, and it's not like a, it's not extending scenes or scenes that aren't there, but most of the time it doesn't. And I think we could, we could use some adjustments uh, to that. Like let's, let's aim for two hours max. Like it shouldn't be the goal to break two hours. Um, and it does mm-hmm. seem like that is the case at this point. Um, I'm, I'm just kind of scrolling through my feed on letterbox and a lot of the critics that I follow, and I don't just follow critics. I follow any letterbox user who follows me actually. Um, but it seems like most of my fr- friends who have watched it, which is a, a lot, 237 people that I follow have watched it, which is more than normal um, for a single movie. Uh, mostly seem positive on it, like four stars, five stars. Um, and, uh, you know, I'm sitting with a five star review for sure, and there there are some some lower scores, but it is it's interesting um, uh, to see people just really like being angry about this movie because that's I don't know if the Matrix was ever meant to be for everybody. You know what I'm saying? Definitely like, not. Like um, you said, it's it's a blockbuster in every sense except being a standard blockbuster they're big big films in terms of scope and scale and t- technical um aspect stylistically not, stylistically like, yeah but they're not like 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 alex said you've got spider-man and matrix both big expensive films but one is a crowd pleaser and the other essentially isn't like but but they're still big big films in their own right and so like some of the complaints that i've heard are about the action sequences not being as uh they're shot differently than the original trilogy which is addressed um (laughs) outside of the film uh as lana's style has changed and lana's kind of a take on action um i don't i don't think this is a spoiler but like if you notice keanu reeves's character never uses a gun in this movie uh that's just very true that i know i could remember anyway and uh well i'm I'm quoting from uh an interview i believe about this too so i'm not it's not my own i didn't think about it while i was watching it but (laughs) when you consider the original matrix, like one of the best scenes in the first matrix is the, the lobby sequence where there are his, he literally goes guns, lots yeah. of guns before Got going into guns. it. Um, <laughs> yeah. And then of course his, his big comeback in the last 10 years has been the John wick franchise where he yep. is shooting everybody. Um, to like not have that is a really interesting choice. And I, I think you're seeing a change in, in perspective and culture. And I think that's even embedded in Neo's character, like his, attitude about things has changed slightly the attitude of the humans in the movie has changed um the approach and that final action sequence man i i was so invested and almost i was kind of traumatized by like what happens without getting into like specifics but i was like watching it just like kind of horrified what was happening but in like a compelled way like i was just like Mm -hmm wow what does that say and like there's so much subtext in the matrix movies in general um some of it on the nose but other stuff is up for interpretation i think of what the the wachowskis might have been saying especially uh the original trilogy is completely recontextualized when both the original uh and no disrespect here but they were the wachowski brothers when the matrix came out they are now the wachowski sisters i have i am completely support that i have no issues with that but it does re it makes you recontextualize certain elements of those other movies and the duality of the characters. Um, it, it's, it's, that's the thing I love about this franchise is it isn't just a blockbuster. It has never been just a blockbuster. Um, and part of the problem with the legacy of the matrix is the red pill, blue pill. It has been um, repurposed and misinterpreted by ma- major moments of the internet, major clusters of the internet. Right. Yep. Um, and Lana addresses that in this movie and kind of is trying 
to take it back, right? Like this mm-hmm. is not, it was never this, it was never this thing. And that boardroom meeting is kind of addressing that. Like there's so many cool things like that in this movie that I do think there was a reason to make a sequel. Cause I think Lana is addressing the real world ramifications of creating a movie where there's a scene where a guy goes well, guns, we need lots of guns. And then people misinterpreting all of the trilogy and what the actual subtext is about humankind and the things that they kind of were maybe not warning, but they were seeing like on the horizon, these are problems that we're going to encounter. And now we are, we're encountering them. We're in them right now. Um, not to say that they were prolific or anything. It wasn't like the writing was on the wall and they're just, Hey, did you guys notice this? And people are like, yeah, sure. Whatever. And now we're like, Oh no, technology is ruling things. And, and the environment is dying and like everything is falling apart around us. We mentioned this 20 years ago. And uh, you know, so like there's a lot there that I think more so than most sequels, this is warranted because Lana's like, Hey everybody, remember, remember what we were saying? Like some of you misunderstood us and I don't like it. So I'm going to, I'm going to bring that up. I'm going to point that out. And you may not like that it's being pointed out. You might hate it in some cases, or you may not get that we're pointing it out. But, you know, a, a lot of things are made solely for money. And there's no question this movie was greenlit because Warner Brothers was hoping for a cash grab. No doubt. Oh, well, that's what I was going to say. When when you put it like that, fine, I can accept why they would, why uh, Lana especially would want to make this sequel herself. Obviously, the protective nature, because everything Matrix, the books video games you know they've had a say a production say or a writing credit on the wachowskis they've been involved mm-hmm. in everything but the fact that warner brothers were just going to make a film anyway that's just what that's what i can't get my head around because i mean this film was made for nearly 200 million dollars it's currently sitting on 68 million which bold intense after the first week isn't great is not a great return for a franchise that warner brothers were desperate to reboot and reload or resurrect or whatever matrix puns you can throw in but you know it's it's not doing great at the box office and i don't know if that's because of word of mouth or if it's because you know the matrix is is a niche blockbuster it is not one that is as accessible that doesn't that's in no way um pouring shame on the films because again i like half of them and i think it's a very interesting very deep sci-fi uh and social uh tr- commentary trilogy sorry but and more and more so to it but i just that, it's just that just worries me so much when when you hear that warner brothers uh, were going to just make the film anyway and i know they uh, the film is has that meta approach to it but the fact that they were just gonna do it anyway mm-hmm. yes i would rather have you know, a one or both of the wachowskis doing it the question is which we'll never know because i know that lily wachowski is kind of taking a back seat from the public eye but would would this film have been any different could it we'll never know it's hypothetical could it have been different had uh, lana and lily both worked on it rather than just having the one point of view that that's an interesting Maybe. kind of what if as well it, did get, but, it could have been better it could have been worse who knows well the thing for me though is like if it were better i, I have a hard time because i think it's great like i like what yeah. this movie's doing i wish it, bring it back maybe it would have been better for me yeah it, and again i i and it, it's still going to be polarizing um but to me an important thing to think about um with this is art is supposed to be divisive art yes, doesn't need to be uh pleasing for everybody it can be and i don't think art that is pleasing for everybody is bad art inherently um 
uh, as I am a big fan of the MCU, which a lot of critics would say is bad art or not art at all, which I disagree with. Is it commercial art? Yes. I think mm-hmm. some commercial art is gorgeous, uh, to be honest. Yeah. Like, there's some billboards. I'm like, that is a freaking great billboard. But it's there solely to sell me something. It doesn't mean it can't look good or be, you know, fascinating or entertaining. I, I don't necessarily have an issue with that. Um, but I do like artists getting to to make their vision and and that vision i agree with him not you know sometimes it will click and sometimes it won't i just literally while we were talking i had a notification pop up from the old book face uh where one of my graduates has never seen the matrix movies is trying to make it through the second movie and has tried three or four times and cannot (laughs) make it through the second movie and was like any any advice i'm like sadly for me i i do like everything i have i have a harder time watching the third movie like the third movie I really hate the whole subplot with the, the kid in the, in Zion and him, like him getting into a mech warrior. I hate all of that. I think you cut all of that out of that movie. and That movie's better. It just I have other issues. Familiar. Yeah. I have other issues too, but that's like my big, like that whole arc is, is so Neo annoying. Is Jesus basically. And this it's very, but there's a lot of, I mean, that, again, that, that was, that's been there since the beginning as the chosen one, but it they is, really smash you around the face. They're, sub- the they're, they're kind of subverting the hero's journey with that. Cause the, the traditional hero's journey is the resurrection and all of that. Like Jesus's story is a, a very big, you could line it up with the hero's journey, even the venturing when he's gone in the woods for 30 years or whatever it is, you know, like that's the entering the dark cave. Like there's the whole, the hero's journey is, can be supplanted onto many things. And I think, the Wachowskis attempted to subvert it. I don't know if they're successful in that subversion necessarily, but again, they are experimenting. And I think that is cool because we see so many blockbuster filmmakers who don't get to do that, who just, you know, paint by numbers. You, this is the script. This is what we want. Make this. If you make anything else, we're going to shut you down. And sometimes with like Kevin Feige, he is the artist there. So him shutting down directors is, is different because he is making his art. He's just using them to do it. And Conduit. that's why you, you see some device, like some of that is burdensome in some of the movies and other directors who are really good at that, who need maybe guidance to, to mm-hmm. hone it in have succeeded. I think maybe the Russo brothers are leaning that way. Like they were better yeah. in the MCU than they've been anywhere else. They were. We look at somebody like we mentioned on our review of old like M. M Night Shyamalan. It, he's very much that kind of guy. I would much rather uh, M. Night make the films that he wants to make and have them be divisive. Some of his films are great, others aren't. But I'd rather have directors who swing and try something original, yep. try something different, or in this instance, you know, put put their own personal spin or take back their story or, you know, perceivably take it back. I'd much rather that than, like you say, a cookie cutter or, or a movie by numbers or, God forbid, whatever Warner Brothers would have dished us up without one of the Wachowskis being involved. So I would much rather have somebody uh, there willing to take a risk. Otherwise, that will be the end of cinema. Otherwise, if it's all done by committee. Yeah, and, you know, I I'm, formulas are not inherently bad. Um, it, I think formulas are a good starting point. Um, so, like, in formulaic film, uh, I think if it's a good place to start. But I think you should be able to explore and if you have something you want to say, learning how to say it in, uh, you know, metaphor or allegory is the beauty of cinema, the, this ability to show, not tell. Um, yeah. Or when you do tell, writing catchy or snippy or snappy dialogue or having some kind of presence or character to it that's compelling, um, I think is always a way. That's, uh, one of the things I like about Yaya. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yep. 
um, is his, his delivery of dialogue. I really enjoy both in Candyman and this. I, he's got he's, he's got a like very a good charm, actor. man. Yeah, he he's just this presence, right? But he he feels like a character. He doesn't feel like a real person in most of the roles, but I think those roles have always called for that, right? Like, mm-hmm. I mean, whether he's Black Manta in Aquaman or yep. Candyman or uh, here, he's playing this like heightened character. He's he not carries just a presence. A, I think he really he does. does. And I, I really enjoy the way he delivers dialogue and the, uh, he has a swagger in, in this movie that is, is not Morpheus outside of the matrix, but very much Morpheus in the matrix, which when you contextualize his character in this, that makes perfect sense. Yep. Why he is this kind of swagger, like charmy, the over the top attire that he's wearing. It's, it's the matrix, you know, presentation of Morpheus. I, I, all of that, and um, yeah, I, I can't. I actually wanted to rewatch this before we got to record. I just haven't had a chance. I am gonna a hundred percent rewatch this before it goes off uh, HBO Max because the the current model is it comes out the same day in theaters, but it's only on HBO Max for thirty days, and then it's gone for okay. a couple of months, and it comes back um, like like it would normally come back when HBO would get their movies, kind of thing. But um, well, I'm t- I don't know, and this isn't meant to be a, a a scathing awful way to end it, but I can't see myself rushing out to watch this film. It took me, it took me, what are we now, 2021? It took me the best part of 15 years to rewatch numbers two and three uh, again. I only watched yeah. them last or last week in prep for seeing Matrix 4 again. So I can't see so, myself rushing out to watch it. I, I may do, because again, did not hate this film, but it severely disappointed me. I was hoping it would smash into my top 20. Two things uh, before we wrap this up. Uh, one, yes. I, I buried the lead. Big Tuna did go and see it, though. He just didn't get to go see it at the critic screening, and he loved it also. Um, so I did want to say that because I always mention Big Tuna's take on it. Nice one, Tuna. Um, and then uh, for me, the original trilogy, like the first movie I've probably seen like 40 times. Like it was a regular rewatch for me. I loved everything about it. It blew my mind. I saw it, I think, twice in the theater, and then I bought it on VHS, and I, I watched it. I bought it on DVD when that came out, watched it, bought it on Blu-ray a couple of years <laughs> yeah. ago. Like, I, I own it on all pla- – and I have it digital to, to yeah. Just bring to it make up. sure. Um, and the second one I watched quite a bit because there's a lot of philosophic like conversation in that movie that really, really clicked for me, especially I was in college when the second one came out, and I was all about philosophy, so like I was all over that. Um, I didn't, again, fully understand all of it, but I, I was very much into all of those talking scenes. I also, there's some really cool action scenes in that second movie. Oh, bro, there's not, <laughs> not just a car chase scene. There are some great, and that one feels more like, out of the, well, the original three, the third one does feel too whack job for me, whereas the second one feels like it is still a sequel to the first film. The third one is an anomaly to me because, yes, it's very much a sequel to the second one, and I know that sounds odd, but it doesn't feel like it's connected as much now to the first matrix film. Whereas the second one, it still for me retains some of that feeling despite, you know, developing and growing, expanding the story somewhat. The third, that's why the third one for me, it just doesn't, it feels like some, a different trilogy almost just the look of it and the feel of it. But I, again, I do get why everyone in the world isn't going to love this movie. I, I do encourage people to try to watch them all. Um, and come at it with a, a different lens, you know, be open-minded, um, know that the film is trying to do things. It's not always on the surface. You got to dig deep for some of it. Um, and I think this one has a, a, a pretty solid postmodern spin uh, that references a lot of pop cultural stuff. 
that you may or may not be familiar with. And that, again, I think also either adds or detracts uh, from the film. Because sometimes pop culture references is the reason people don't like things. Um, right. I usually usually quite cringe whenever I hear the word Twitter in a film now, because it just doesn't seem like it should be there. But I'm very pop culture centric, so I'm always kind of open to that. So, oh, I'm always always open for a pop culture reference. But there's something about like Twitter or tweet. I don't think I think it's just the 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 use of the word. It just never sounds right, even though it is now part of the the cultural zeitgeist that we now live in. But um, well, that was the Matrix Resurrections. Ended up being one of the longer reviews we've done in a while. Yeah. which probably makes sense because on the one hand, I, 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 in the one hand is is my pill, which was a bit bitter. And on the other hand was JB's pill, which was a lot sweeter on the film. So um, we'd love to hear your thoughts on the Matrix Resurrections. We will be uh, rolling back into town on a Monday with, with our spoiler thoughts. So again, again, 15 minutes maybe of us you know, going into more spoiler territory, which we couldn't do here. But I hope we covered that well enough for you. So uh, moving on to our next segment, which we simply call Chuff's Headlines. And in this section, we talk about a movie or pop culture headline that caught our attention for whatever reason. So, JB, what have you seen this week that piqued your interest? So uh, the thing that actually piqued my interest wasn't the article. I kind of went looking for this article, which is not usually how we do this. But um, don't look up. Uh, The new Adam McKay movie dropped on Netflix uh, last week. I I watched it. Um, I... I tend to enjoy the McKay's movies. I, I was much kinder to Vice than a lot of other people. I, I really liked The Big Short. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, he has notoriously, critics really don't like this run of McKay, this kind of politically centered satire, which isn't inherently the best satire because it's, it's not always satirical. Sometimes it's very on the nose. Mm-hmm. Um, but I got to say, I am often a critic of Jennifer Lawrence. I have not enjoyed a lot of her performances. I love her in this movie because I think McKay, not only did he write the character for her from what I've read, um, but the character is written to utilize her strengths. Uh, Her anger is one of her best features when she's acting. Um, I think she does angry really, really well. That's why I like joy because when joy gets pissed off in that movie, she's terrific in that, that situation. Um, I think Silver Linings Playbook is the same thing. She, when she's angry, she's really good. I don't think she does sad well. Um, and they asked a lot of her like to show like sadness in the Hunger Games, right? Because like, oh, everyone in District 12 is dead. And she just is like, I can't cry. And it's... Uh, <laughs> but I, I found her to be so good in this movie. And I always like Leo. I think Leo's great in this. I actually think the cast is doing some great work. I, it's it's a it's bloated. It's over two hours. Um, but I I actually enjoyed it. I I wouldn't put it as like a must see movie, but it's it's in a higher quality for me because I I don't understand so much of the hate, and that's what this article is about. It is a person who was very critical of the movie, pointing out that a bunch of other critics are also being very critical of this movie, mm-hmm. and I I think like some of the the criticisms just feel so odd to me um this this person who wrote the article uh i'm looking for their name andy meek um refers to he says i stand by my assertion in that previous piece first of all that the movie is quote so painfully unentertaining so full of sound and fury signifying nothing and so condescending towards the targets of the film's ire that a much better more accurate title for this movie would have been don't watch this (laughs) now okay okay 
painfully unentertaining is such a like obviously all criticism is subjective and, and we sh- critics should not have to say in my opinion ever because yes that is correct that's the only thing you can give is your opinion yes. that is legitimately what we're doing and uh, some critics freak i feel like some critics feel the need to remind everyone that this is my opinion this is just my opinion yes of course it is that is all you can give and we should all remember that about criticism but some movies seem to elicit more targeted spite. And this movie is, is punching. I don't know if it's punching down. It, it is punching. It's throwing punches wildly and you know exactly who the targets are. And if you are like-minded, I think you will find this to be less, maybe, maybe like darkly funny in that way, because it, it is pointing out some of the things that you are, um, upset about and Mm -hmm. like that you're like yes exactly and i think obviously if you're on the if you feel like you're the one being punched you're gonna hate this movie and i don't think that's wrong i think he's he didn't make it for you and that doesn't mean you have to like be nice about it i think you have every right to be upset or angry about it however i do feel like the quotes they have here don't look up is hellishly unfunny don't look up review a cosmic disaster it's not a film of any particular interest uh, interesting to say i that's got to be the most ignorant thing there because you may not agree with what's being said but mckay is saying something i don't know if he's saying it in the most intelligent way i don't know if he's saying it in the funniest way definitely not saying it in the most like you know uh subtle way it's mm-hmm. very boom punch you in the face kind of information but i don't think that's i don't think there's one way that information has to be delivered and i think my point uh, of this isn't to defend don't look up. Cause I, I, I don't care if you watch this movie or not, to be honest. Like uh, I don't see how you can look at this cast, watch this movie and think it's a mess. Like it's, it's not a mess. Is it, is there stuff that could be trimmed out? Yeah. I think McKay was maybe a little too precious with some of the things that he really wanted to say, or that he thought was funny, which is a, I think whenever a director gets to that level, that happens, right? Like they, like we were just talking about like, I mean, Ridley Scott, House of Gucci. Jesus. It's extremely, you know, it's Ridley Scott just doing whatever he wants, having nobody telling him no. Exactly. It's, and fine. But I think as critics, this is kind of me criticizing critics, um, because I do consider myself a critic. I consider you a critic. I consider mm-hmm. Big Tuna a critic. And I think the three of us are all very, very different with how we approach criticism. Mm-hmm. That's good. I, right. I think there's room for all of it. The downside, though, is I think we I think there is a perception from the public that we're pretentious and that we hate out of touch, out of touch. Yeah. And that I think is true for some critics. I think some critics have maybe um, I, I often will point out too though, like if you like pizza and you eat pizza, you probably only eat one or two, maybe three or four companies that make pizza. Mm-hmm. But if you are a food critic who specializes in pizza, you have tried every pizza that exists. And and so your spectrum of, of quality is much larger because you've had such a variety. Yeah. And that is the same with us. We, we have watched so many movies. I mean, just <laughs> this year, I've seen 400 movies this year. And of all different time periods and different styles and directors and countries and... I have a much bigger, and if we just look at 2021 movies, I've watched 120 movies that came out in 2021. 
Yeah, most I've people probably saw about 120 as well, give or take. Right. The average person maybe saw 10 if they saw one a month, right? They saw 12. And that's mm-hmm. not counting, like, a lot of people watch series and things like that. But the point is, our our pool of information is much larger. But I think some critics forget that. And that, like, they, they get lost in the pool of films that they've seen and forget to just enjoy movies. Because I don't think most people choose to be a critic because they hate movies. I think most people do this because we love they them love so film. much. Yeah. And I think we're all guilty of doing that to a certain. I mean, I know I am as well. Sure. I can't speak for you, uh, Tuna, yes. but I've certainly sat down and watched films before, and I've, and and they've I haven't I just haven't let them kind of wash over myself. Maybe how I should do. And I've watched them with a very kind of critical eye. And I, no, I, I, this, I'm not finding this fun or blah blah blah. When in reality, I've I've then gone back and thought, you know, this is a, this is a, this isn't bad. Hey, it may not be the best film ever, but I'm enjoying it. I'm having fun with it. I'm getting so it's, it's eliciting a reaction out of me. That's you know that's good. Maybe before I was blinkered or whatever, but I know I've certainly been guilty of that sometimes. But yeah, hopefully not so much anymore. And I I just think, um, like I think maybe as a community, it would it would benefit us not to overpraise things. That's not I am. I think criticism is valuable. I think both positive and negative feedback is warranted and and justified. But I think there is a degree of critics right now who are looking for the clicks. And mm-hmm. I think yeah. that as, and I think we could, if we pull that back and say journalists as a whole, journalism is, is vital. I think journalism is one of the most important things in our society. These idea that people go to these events and tell everyone who didn't go that this happened. Right. And if yeah. you think about criticism as journalism, we go to more movies so that people who have a limited access to what films they can see, get better information of what they should waste their time with. Right. And I think, you know, there, there's maybe how we criticize should be clearer and why we criticize things should be clearer. And I agree. Generally just because I'm going to quote Dave Chen, who I've now I've elicited his name a couple of times. The slash film cast. Um, I think it's been maybe two years at the end of the show. Um, after they, they criticize sometimes very positive, sometimes very, very negative. Mm-hmm. Um, but I always think constructive negative for the most part. Uh, they try to at least. Um, Dave says, but at the end of the day, it's a miracle that so-and-so made this movie. And not in a condescending way. And the fact that making movies is hard. It's yeah. not an easy process by any means. And the fact that we get as many as we do is insane. If you've ever gone through the process, if you've ever studied it. And I don't want them to stop. No. And so I, I just, I, I call, you know, cause some people, this bashing thing, people get like, if a person watched don't look up and they're like, wow, what a movie. And they're not a critic. And they look and like every critic is saying how dumb this movie is and how bad it is. It makes that person angry towards the critics or it makes them feel dumb. Because it makes like, well, them why did I like it? Yeah. It makes them quit. Yeah, it happened a lot with, um, uh, star Wars prequels. Hey, look, they ain't great films, but, because the world told you that you shouldn't really like them because they're not good. A lot of people I know would pretend not to like them for fear of people being yes. mean or, 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 yes. or talking that da- condescending them for their choice. And I haven't seen don't look up yet. I'm going to watch it uh, possibly tomorrow. I think I'm going to finally sit down to watch it, but I agree with you. There's a lot of writers uh, and not just paid writers. That includes um, critics like us or just those who go online just to give an opinion who, there are lots of people out there who 
do it for I don't know some sort of online clout there are some who are contrarian and I'm not entirely sure that they actually believe what they're writing however it brings a level of infamy now that everyone has a voice so but I agree the whole point of a critic is to hopefully be a source of some trust when it comes to delivering mm-hmm. opinion or na- helping people navigate through the world of film because there still are a lot of films coming out nowadays not just stream but also theatrically there's so much coming out or there are those independent films that nobody's kind of ever really heard of or there's the the oscar bait films not everyone has a chance to see them we make the time because like jb said we love it we love film and we like to talk about it as well but a critic shouldn't be there to be sensationalist or to make themselves the center of attention it's like in sports yes. if the referee if, if people are talking about the ref after the game then there's a problem there. That's not how it should be. That it should be. I, I would rather people not know my necessarily what I look like or anything about me. But they'd be like, okay, I've seen that guy. What he writes. I don't always agree with what he writes. However, I know it's coming from a place of uh, love, but also hopefully some sort of intelligence or non-biasedness, if that's the word. Does that coming from the bloke who tries to write. Um, but no, I agree. There, I, I haven't seen. Don't look up. But I, I have seen that it's become like the matrix it seems to be fairly divisive where lots of people like it others are just riding it off as trash i've seen some people write and i don't believe a film directed by adam mckay uh with such a talented cast could ever be trash even if it is via netflix <laughs> i don't think it could ever be called trash i might watch it and think you know what it wasn't great or wasn't everything i thought but yeah i think some of the some of the headlines and some of the um hyperbole that follows some of these films is I don't know. I think sometimes it gets taken too far and it's not right yet. Yeah, have an opinion, but you know, what, what, what is the opinion for to educate others or to have your name spread around for a few minutes online? Yeah. And again, uh, it's not even, I'm not looking to like bash critics or anything. I think criticism is important. That's why I do it. Um, I hate but, critics, all of them out of touch. Um, yeah. But I, I do want, I do want, I, I just feel in collective culture now, negativity is is the currency, and I would love for us to start operating in optimism. Um, is like my my big goal. Um, and yeah. again, I, I'm not. I will criticize a film. I'm just, you know, I I try to 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 be restrained a little bit with the 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 heated criticism. Sometimes I'm not. I was pretty harsh about Resident Evil. I feel, but you know, <laughs> yes, um, but that movie really felt like it, it deserved a little bit of like backlash. So, you know, um, it's, it, it's open for, for thought. And I think it's just a conversation that maybe critics in general, we should be reevaluating what our intention is. Um, but what was your article, Max, that we spent probably too much time on that one. No, no, I agree with everything you just said, my friend, it's meant to be fun and informative. And I think we should never lose sight of that. Um, we're talking about, uh, <laughs> talking about clickbait headlines. This one did catch my attention. Um, we know that, well, you may not know the listeners, but a another trailer for the upcoming The Batman from Matt Reeves uh, dropped within the last week. Uh, and, and it's kind of been dubbed The Cat, sorry, The Bat and The Cat. Uh, I thought it was a good trailer. I think everything I've seen so far of The Batman has been extremely intriguing. I'm really very much looking forward to The Batman, but I look forward to any Batman film, like a Spider-Man film. I look forward to a Batman film when it comes out. So, um, So, yeah. There's my thoughts. Looking forward to one of my most anticipated films of the year is The Batman. Now, the trailer came out and this article by Jake Gleason, the headline, The Batman, The Batman's action is already better than Nolan's Dark Knight trilogy. 
I mean, we've seen, I don't know, five minutes of the film, maybe, if that, via trailers, and it's already better than the Dark Knight trilogy. Um, I'm not entirely... Yeah, and I think that may be yeah the, the action, and that also might be a slightly knee jerk reaction as well. The foot, the, okay, the the action in Batman Begins is well documented as stilted. You know, Nolan, one of the things that people beat Nolan with is his inability to write dialogue. Uh, this is just a kind of widespreading criticism, not necessarily my own, though I do agree to a point. And his action. Not always the best. It got better as the film went on. I think. I think the Dark Knight, the action's good, and then the Dark Knight Rises is good as well. Uh, one of the only, one of the better things about that film. But um, the article is basically is is basically saying that the action, the, the action that we've seen, is a spectacular sign of things to come, and that there's a huge indication that the action will surpass every other live uh, live action adaptation, including the Dark Knight trilogy. Now. Um, every iteration of Batman going back to, uh, obviously Cesar Romero and, and, and et al, the Joker and all, but yeah, talk about the 1989 one, uh, and onwards has had varying kind of levels of, um, action in terms of how it's put across, how seriously the action is portrayed. So, okay. I get what he's saying. I think the article may have been better suited by saying the Batman looks to give us the most, the more, most realistic portrayal of action in a Batman film, a live action film, at least for me. Um, but it, 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 they're basically saying that it's going to mix this with the brutality of Nolan trilogy, mixing this action and theatricality. And we're going to get the best Batman that reading through it. That's kind of what they're saying is that this could be the best Batman as well as the action. So my, I, the reason I picked this one was, yes, I think the action is very good so far from what I've seen in the yeah. trailers, but they are trailers for a reason. The, not everyone is going to be like me or JB or probably a lot of our listeners who will already be in. We're already in for them. We're already there for them. We're there yeah. open at night for the Batman, regardless of the trailers. But they, of course, they're showing the best things. They want to show a different Batman to what's just come in the last. The Dark Knight Rises, what two thousand and eight, I think it was, or whatever. So it's only only just over ten years ago. So they're having to distance themselves from that. So how do they do that? They give us the detective story that we've always wanted. It's, Plus it's they so funny. Them. This Who's article, gone? this article, and you sound like we we're we're erasing the Affleck. <laughs> like, oh god, um, yeah, and that one. <laughs> I haven't mentioned it because I'm going through the. I haven't mentioned. It. I mean, the I mean, the, the Affleck action isn't exactly bad. I mean, what they, the warehouse I, fight isn't exactly a bad shot scene. I think that's amazing. I think that yeah, is the exactly. best Batman hand to hand combat we've seen on film. Is that Martha scene in uh, Batman versus Superman? Mm-hmm. The rest of that is not great, and I don't think <laughs> Batman does a lot in Justice League really in terms of like hand to hand. But to be fair, he's fighting like parademons. Um, what we've seen in the trailers, I think, looks phenomenal. I like how it's shot. There's the the sequence where it's only lit by the gun, uh, the gun flare. I don't know what that the fire that comes out of the gun where like it's completely black until the guns are shooting, and then you see him like moving like in almost strobe light because of it. Yeah. Like that seems really cool in the trailer. I'm just like, oh man, I can't wait. And he seems vicious hand to hand. I don't. It's still like the Affleck scene there felt like the Arkham games. And if you've ever played any of the Arkham Batman games, that's how the comic action has always felt to me. This yeah. kind of quick, agile, like things that the actors have never been able to do because the suits have always been so restrictive to their movement. Mm-hmm. Um, like Michael Keaton was barely able to stand up. I think in the, moves, the latex yeah. suit, yeah. So, like, doing a lot of martial arts was never a 
a viable option for him, right? That's why, like, Adam West Batman, he didn't really do martial arts per se, but, you know, like, the, the hand-to-hand combat, he he could move because he was in pajamas, basically. You know? much, yeah, he's in felt. <laughs> yeah, like, it was, it was flexible, but... I think uh, Nolan's Batman suit was was a little more flexible. Um, Affleck's suit—I don't know how it worked, but the character, whether that was CG that was doing all the action or actually a stuntman um, in that warehouse fight scene is phenomenal. So this one, the suit again looks a little more like open. Uh, so I don't, and it, the what we've seen doesn't look CG to me. It looks like hand to hand. Oh, looks yeah. So I am. Uh, I'm I'm hopeful that this guy's right. I'm hoping this is the best Batman we we get, and I love the Nolan trilogy. You know what I'm saying? Like, and I don't hate all of the Affleck. Um, and I love I love the Keaton Batman. I have issues with Returns, but it's all Penguin. Um, it's and it's more creepy, like sleazy so Penguin. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. I'm very excited for the Colin Farrell Penguin in this movie, dude. Um, yeah. And yeah, I- very excited for Paul Dano's Zodiac Riddler. Like I'm, you know. Killer uh, Riddler, and Andy Circus's out, um, Alfred, and um, and uh, and Catwoman. Bella. Sorry, Kravitz Catwoman. I think she's got she exudes that kind of Catwoman, that sort of soldier, badass Catwoman. It, she has got that. She has nailed that look and the attitude. And look what from what we've seen in the trailer, the fighting. Uh, I'm very. I think Zoe Kravitz is is great. Anyway, have you heard the rumor about Joker? Uh, maybe. That Barry Heo, uh, oh Barry, is, Co- Bay, Co- Bay Cohen, yeah, yeah. I mean, I don't know how to say that name, boy, but I've yeah, heard this man. That would the more I think about it, the more that is, dude, I'm picture perfect. God, so on board with that casting. Yeah, if that's the case, I, I, I'm with you. I listen. I love the Dark Knight so much, and I do. I generally do, and 1989 as well. I would, you know, if this comes out, I would happily say, look, this is this blows both of them out of the water because I hope it does because I want every film I see yeah. to be better than the last, but. I think I, I get why they've only compared it to the Nolan trilogy because they're, you know, largely seen now, I think, as the quintessential the Batman yeah, film. Yeah, the pinnacle. So I get why, but I just think it's a bit premature to start kind of banging the drum that the action is already going to be better, or already is better than, you know, three films just because this guy looks more like a street brawler or it gets a bit more dark and R-rated because I've mentioned it on this show before. I don't care about dark. I don't care about R-rated. If it's necessary, great. If it's not, I don't care. I, I don't need that. I don't need... I'm not excited for the, Bat- the Batman because it's dark and gritty like a lot of people seem to want because I just... It's not, you know, if, if it suits the story, fine, but I don't need my Batman film to be dark and gritty. This one does look like that, but if it's done well, like something like a seven, I don't think it's going to be like a seven, but I got some seven vibes. And like you say, Zodiac. Yes. I'm all for it. I feel like he went to Fincher with like oh, his study sorry, for yeah. this. This is, yeah, this is kind of like Fincher light almost. Uh, and look, if it's any, if it's anywhere near as good as those two films and we're in for a hell of a ride, everything I've seen is looks good. The cast looks great. And if that Barry Cohen rumor is true, then God help me. It's just that I, I'm, I'm here for that. So it's an interesting, um, headline to call out uh five minutes of action four three or two, not even about two minutes worth of action against uh probably eight hours worth of film so interesting there from jake gleason but fair enough my man if that's what you believe um so that was our headlines for this week and now we'll move on to media consumption we talk about the movies tv shows video games music podcasts which aren't ours uh comic books uh, whatever 
whatever we've indulged in to pass the time this week. JB's absolutely eclipses mine. So uh, over to you, JB, because your final one is the same as mine. Well, I'm going to um, power through the movies because I've watched just too many. I'm not going to sit here and talk about <laughs> each one. Um, there was no episode of Blank Check this week because they took Christmas off. Understandable. But I am waiting to hear their review of The Matrix this weekend. So I'm excited. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I caught a bunch of movies uh, in preparation for the, the uh, Flor- uh, Critics Association of Central Florida's vote, um, which I have submitted my vote at this point. But um, here's what I've watched. Uh, Lamb. I'm lukewarm on. Okay. Val. The documentary about Val Kilmer. Oh, yeah. Big thumbs up. Love this movie. Definitely recommend. Uh, documentary that shocked me this year, Becoming Cousteau. Yes, you said about this the other day. I knew like nothing about Cousteau. I thought I did. I thought I knew quite a bit. I had no idea. I was very compelling doc. Uh, a cop movie. Interesting documentary. Big, big tune, a big fan of. I feel like it doesn't really deliver on its premise in a, in a meaningful way, but it's still very, very interesting to watch. That's on Netflix. Um, Summer of Soul. If you have seen the documentary Woodstock, which I think you did, Matt, because we I watched did, it yes. for one of the astrology episodes. Astrology, yes, we did. Which I, I hope we get to bring astrology back in 2022, we everybody. It will be. Um, uh, but I, I think about it most days, believe it or not. So uh, Me too. I really I wish it was easier to pull off uh, than it has been. But nevertheless, Woodstock, Summer of Soul, and um, Gimme Shelter, the Martin's... Uh, it's not Martin's. Martin's yeah, yeah. has nothing to do with it. Rolling Stone documentary. Yeah. Um, those three movies, I think, as a collective, like watching them really gives you kind of an idea of that time period and mm-hmm. uh, a huge juxtaposition of like personalities. I think some are still very, very cool. Um, I caught rewatched some Christmas movies, home alone two and Christmas story. Um, caught, I already mentioned, don't look up. I liked it. I don't think it's perfect. I totally understand why people won't like it. Licorice pizza. Oh, I drove God. an hour out of my way to see, um, and it was worth every minute. I wow. love this movie so much. Um, Alana Haim from the band Haim. I did not know that. Actually, I had never listened to Haim before. I had to Google that, but yes. Um, she gets her debut and uh, just is so fantastic. She is such a great actress in this movie. Uh, I'm sure a lot of it is PTA casting well and knowing mm-hmm. how to work with, with what she knows. Um, he does cast her entire family as her family. Uh, <laughs> yes. Definitely. They're not in it much, but I, th- I think it makes those scenes really natural. Um, and but then Philip Seymour Hoffman's son, I'm going to forget his name, but it's also Hoffman. Um, also fantastic. Just great. Uh, Bradley Cooper has a very small scene, but oh, man, does he want that supporting actor Oscar because he is <laughs> owning that scene. He's um, desperate for that Oscar. I, I say enough times. he deserves it. Uh, it. I would also give it to him for Nightmare Alley. I think he's great in Nightmare Alley, but I can't wait um, to see that. Uh, Roadrunner, uh, a film about Anthony Bourdain, I Bourdain, caught. Yep. Um, very cool documentary. I also surprisingly didn't know much about him. Like I knew he was the one guy, but I never watched any of his stuff. So mm-hmm. I found the documentary to be interesting. Um, and then uh, last thing I watched was my heart won't beat unless you tell it to, which is also from 2021, but that is Corey's pick for movie club this week. Yeah, I didn't, I didn't like that movie very much. Uh, <laughs> so is it a psychological film, isn't it? Or like a yeah, kind of drama. Psychological is a little strong. It's not, yeah. It's, yeah, it's a, it's a like it's basically mumblecore horror kind of like it's <laughs> not really then, yeah. <laughs> it, it's it's a drama with like horror elements Got built you. in it but yeah i it was i found the acting to be not good i actually read someone's review where they were like praising the actors and i was like really i thought that was <laughs> some of the worst stuff about this movie but um anywho um i finished hawkeye uh the finale was last wednesday um 
I love the show as a whole. The finale is a little lackluster. Um, I think I feel like this is true of all of the the Marvel shows so far. They do so much setup in episodes one, two, three, four, five, and they leave like everything to be finished in episode six. So episode six always feels rushed. And that's the biggest problem with Hawkeye. Like, it feels like maybe we should have ended some of these storylines like last episode, because it feels like we're trying to wrap up so many things in this final episode. Um, I I watched all of Ted Lasso season two in two days. How was it? It's great. Um, It's, I, I don't think it's as good as season one. I think season mm-hmm. one, the vibe is so positive that season two needed to deviate a little bit and have a, a branch of like, no matter how positive you are, there's still going to be some darkness and the darkness was frustrating. Um, but in a good way, but also like, like, no, no, I like my optimism in the show. I don't <laughs> want it negative. Um, so there's some things like that, but there's also still those tear jerking moments. There's some really awesome moments it, it continues to be such a woke show, like where it's, it just seems to be a, like anytime that a character does something awful in most shows, they, they do the worst things afterwards, right? Like they're like, Oh, well I just won't say anything. This show is so good about characters communicating and re like actually having healthy relationships um, that I, I just really, really love it. And lastly, I woke up this morning. I went to the gym. I came home. I took a shower and when I got dressed, I knew what shirt I was putting on. I was going to put on my Boba Fett shirt that my wife bought me for Christmas because the book of Boba Fett dropped on Disney Plus this morning. I guess technically last night at midnight. Um, I watched it this morning. So the trailer for this show was real lackluster to me. Um, I, I was hugely sold by the trailer. I was in, of course, but the trailers weren't great. Same. I was in, but I'm like, this didn't do a lot to thrill me. I don't think the first episode does much better than the mm-hmm. trailer. It's not bad. Um, I'm not like super like, oh, can't wait for next week. I'm just like, do we really need all the flashbacks in this episode? Like all of it? Do I need to see everything that led to him? Like in this, can't we just be in this moment? Like that's where we're at. Star Wars. I don't need to see like Mm -hmm. flashbacks. I think, I don't know. Um, I've always liked the design of Boba Fett, right? Like it's always been, uh, I'm not, you know, I'm one of those people I've always thought he was awesome, even though there he never earned that. We, we've always liked <laughs> yeah. him. Um, and so I want him to earn it. And I was excited. I, I didn't realize Robert Rodriguez directed this episode until the end credits. I thought some of the lighting in this wasn't great. And some, like some of the scenes like just looked kind of over, like washed over. Um, but I'm still in, I still, I'm, I, I didn't dislike the episode. Uh, we did get a lot more action than I thought we were going to get based on the trailer. Cause the trailer, we were just going to be like sitting in a room. Um, but I, I don't know. I'm not sure. Uh, I, I'm curious. So my star Wars, uh, super friend here, what, what were your thoughts? Um, yeah, I wasn't sold on the trailers because, uh, you know, they weren't really giving anything away. They went full mystery box of this. And as it turns out, there is a, that well, Robert Rodriguez said there's a reason why everything you've seen is only from like the first half of episode one, which 99% of what was in the trailers is in this episode and whatever's to come afterwards. He did also promise every episode would have big surprises and revelations. And this one didn't, you get to find out a few um, plot strands that have been left over from return of the Jedi, for example, get tied up, but nothing major, but I'm on the flip side for you, my friend, whereas I'd, I thought, I've always thought Boba Fett was a bit of a goon. I thought he, I've always thought ah. he looks, I've always thought he looks great. Looks all awesome, such a cool character design. 
Yes. But it's it's what you said. He's never earned the yep. in terms of the live action, he's never earned that kind of respect or adulation. It's only for me. Not that he needed to, but I know I'm aware that obviously the legends continuity to so the comics and books, that's where he became yeah. a badass sound. But I never really got that from him. And the Mandalorian where when he pops up in that there we finally seeing now in live action that this is this is the boba that we've been promised or people have been dreaming of for well since the empire strikes back in 1980 and the book of boba fett robert rodriguez has said it's going to be action-packed and um you know we're going to see both sides of boba my big fear is that they're going to try to make boba again i'm going to give any spoilers my big fear is they're going to try to make boba fett human or humanize him Mm. I think they're going to do that, but I also think they're not going to lose sight of the fact that whilst this guy now wants to be a crime lord, he is still a cold-hearted, ruthless killer at the same time. I think we're still going to get that. But in terms of this episode, because this is the only thing I've seen since the last episode, it was this and The Matrix Resurrections, because pretty much after The Matrix Resurrections, it was Christmas Eve, and then it's been full steam ahead. And I'm going to catch up on my last few 2021 movies in the next few days, uh, ready for when we do our when we give our kind of favourite and most disappointing films of the year. But Book of Boba Fett, episode one, uh, to cut through it, I, I actually really did enjoy this much more than I thought I would because mm. of the reasons why I don't think you, why that you mentioned as potentially more negative. I loved the fact that we had the flashbacks and rather than just having an episode of just Boba, you know, going ham on people, we'd have sort of two or three, two minutes, maybe two and a half minutes of Boba Fett, you know, this is a flashback of him again this is not a spoiler but you know being dragged through sand and going hazing yeah. in and out and looking at the sun there was a very psychological aspect to this which i didn't expect you know we got to see what made boba fett how he is how we became him uh, and the impact of all of these major events in his life have had on him it's not just i'm boba fett an absolute or a mystery they're kind of fleshing out now which they have done since attack of the clones and with the clone wars but you know, we're getting to see. I like the fact that they spent, you know, probably even too much time just showing quite like with no with no dialogue, but just showing these more brutal moments from in these flashbacks. I like the fact that there was almost a, almost a restraint in that. And then when we did get the action, it felt like a bit of a release, and the action was pr- pr- um, the action was decent. It's pretty well done. I like Ming Na Wen as Fennec, Fennec Shand. I thought uh, the it was in, this was in the trailer, but Jennifer Beals as a Twi'lek was great. I think she's great in most things she's in. Um, but yeah, it, it set up nicely for the second episode. If you're going in, I said we did a recap on sessions. And one of the things I said was, cause I hadn't heard anyone's opinions. I always go into the recap clean and naked. I have a shower and get dressed. I'm in naked within my thoughts. I don't want any, but I don't want to be spewed by anybody else's thoughts. So what I was saying on the show was I do believe there's going to be a lot of people who are underwhelmed by this or certainly who will think that maybe the ending wasn't what they wanted or that they didn't get as much of, you know, Boba being Boba as they wanted. I do think this is going to underwhelm a lot of people. And from what I've seen, most people like it, but I have seen a lot of people saying, you know, I didn't, it was a bit boring or wasn't what I expected, or hopefully the next episode kicks on a bit. So it does seem that it hasn't floated everybody's boats, but I didn't think it would do. There was always that case that a character like Boba Fett, is he going to be accessible to everybody? Because obviously the hardcore fans or the fans of Star Wars know who he is and know the kind of literal like, literal mythology surrounding him and this mysticism that has been built up over the years. A casual fan's going to swing to this like they have done with The Mandalorian. Who knows? Time will tell. But I think this was actually a pretty solid opener. I think we, it was exp- yeah. expository uh, and heavy in that sense. But if that opens up for the remaining six episodes to... 
you know, delve back into quote unquote present day and Boba's attempts, you know, his new career as a crime lord, as a trailer, trailer says, if we're now going to focus on that, great, works for me. The first, when I watch this all again and binge watch it, then the first episode will sit nicely knowing that, okay, that's, this is where we find out what happened. Then if going forward, we find out what happens now then it's even more of a success. But I was pleasantly surprised by how much I enjoyed this because it wasn't what most people thought it was going to be, which was action heavy. I liked that. It wasn't my friend. I, I'm not opposed to that. Um, and you, you, you made me, maybe I'm being too harsh on the flashbacks, but um, there were a lot I didn't of dislike this episode. I just, I also wasn't, I'm still not sure what the series is. You know what I'm saying? Like, I don't know what I really even want from it. Um, mm-hmm. That's fair enough. Yep. And, and I don't know, I, I didn't know what I was going to get with Mandalorian and I was really hooked on so much of it. Um, but I was a little disappointed with the, the final decision that they did at the the last episode, um, of that. And so I'm a little, like, I am such a, like Marvel has me. I think Marvel, like, even if it is a machine and it is doing, I I like what they're doing. It's doing what they they intended to. Yes. Star Wars feels like it might be like a jalopy that maybe we, we don't want to let go yet, but they keep like putting duct tape on things and like (laughs) patching it with bubble gum. And I'm not sure at what point it's just going to explode. And rise of Skywalker was the biggest red flag. Mandalorian was great. And then season two, they lean so heavy on the other stuff that they didn't Mm -hmm. do in season one that I really have issues with. And this is, Right out the gate, we're leaning on. We have images from the prequel. We have a a scene that we've never seen, but essentially from Return of the Jedi. You know, there's a lot oh, yeah. of relying on the old for the new, and I don't like that. That's all they seem to have. Where like if they Marvel- can keep that just to the first step. And no, no, listen, I hear you, my friend. I do, yeah. I like fan service for fan service sake isn't right. If they can keep that to just the first episode and going forward, it's now. The Boba and Fennec story, we, we know there's always going to be callbacks here and there. We know that, but sure, yes, and I'm fine with that. I like going forward; those. it's more focused because for me, Mando season one, I agree. I prefer that season because it feels more focused on the new characters and their story rather than cameo of the week. And I hope Boba, the book of Boba Fett, stays true to just being about Boba and Fennec. Like Marvel always seems like they're moving forward, even when they're looking backward. They're always like the it's always yes, to the next true. thing. Yeah. Star Wars feels like they can't get out of the shadow of the Skywalkers. And mm-hmm. every time it looks like they're starting to, something happens that makes them retract backwards. And, you know, uh, Boba is so, I mean, that he's on Tatooine is inherently, are they going to be able to actually take this character and go somewhere that doesn't just feel like, hey, by the way, do you know those Skywalkers? Because that's what the the franchise could basically be called. Hey, do you know the Skywalkers? Because that's what it is. It's not about the Star Wars. It's about the Skywalkers. Yeah. Um, and I, I I love the Skywalkers, but I see this... I mean, we know from the, the books that you can branch away from them. Mm-hmm. Like, you can do things outside of the, those characters, and they can be good. But the films and the shows seem to be afraid to do that. Like, they yes. lean so heavy on it. So that's my biggest apprehension. I hope that they can actually branch out. Um, we man, we have gone long winded on every topic this episode, but hey, you know right. what? That's okay. It's Star Wars. It's movies. It's it's Keanu Reeves and his beard. What do you and and the Batman and more? So what do you expect? But um, well, book of Boba Fett. Well, each week I'm pretty sure. Well, each week we'll we'll mention our thoughts yeah, uh, on, on the episodes or uh, and hopefully. 
again, I, I'm with you though, John. I, I, I want this show in particular to stand at its own two feet going forward. Uh, if it, and that's why I liked this first episode because it felt almost like Robert Rodriguez and gang were kind of cleansing themselves. Here, here's, here's, the, here's the answer to all of the questions. And now let's move forward with and, and uh, give new questions based on new events. That's like what I'm hoping this for. But um, so in terms of being bloody awesome, Book of Boba Fett hopefully will be. But we also are too, as per the name of this show. But we have to maintain those levels of being bloody awesome week on week. It can be a struggle sometimes, but goddamn, well, we always make sure we do it. So, John, how have you been staying bloody awesome this week? So uh, after indulging quite a bit over uh, the first week of my Christmas vacation, I have uh, recommitted um, to to the weight loss. Something I actually haven't really been committed to. I've been I've been maintaining for like the, since COVID. Basically, I, I like was okay as long as I don't gain weight. I did start to gain a little bit of weight back over the last month. Um, and so uh, that hit like my, my warning. Cause I, I don't want to fall backwards. Course, um, yeah. so I'm, I'm really like recommitting to like watching what I'm eating and, uh, you know, how I'm eating lunches and things like that. I'm being a lot more, uh, aware and not mm-hmm. allowing. Cause uh, the big thing that I've, I've noticed I, I, for the years that I was losing weight, it was, very easy for me to turn away like sweets and things like that. Like I was just like, Nope. And then the last couple of months it's been like, well, one cookie won't hurt, but one cookie's never one cookie. Here you comes know, the cookie analogy again. And, uh, well, and it never, it, it's never one. That's the problem is I, I have a sweet tooth. <laughs> so once I say yes right. to one, I just inhale them. And, uh, I feel like that's where the weight gain was back is it was like that with all things like, I, Oh, we got pizza. Well, what, diet time I'd have like a slice of pizza and then something else. And then it was like, well, half a pizza is okay. And it, it might be if you're only doing it once in a while, if you're doing it a couple mm-hmm. of weeks in a row, it, it gets problematic. Um, yes. So I, I'm you know, really been more aware, even like I ate out yesterday and today for lunch is very cautious with what I ordered and very aware of my, my calorie counts and things like that. So um, recommitment to that focus and it looks like you're in the same kind of mindset <laughs> well uh kind of yeah my i've been staying bloody awesome by loosening up on the diet over christmas but that is the best time to do it i mean i haven't it gone is. ham still i've always i have still kept a, got a lid on it actually um if anything all i've done more is just had more beer but um as somebody who isn't even the biggest fan of beer as we've mentioned blue moon yes um or, or challenging family members to uh, who can have the most brandy and losing. But uh, before Christmas Eve, now I was off completely off anything like that. But just you know, doing what people, everyone always says, oh, you can't die over Christmas, and I agree with them. And I thought I don't feel guilty for having three or four days, or maybe I think I only ended up really being three days, maybe. And it wasn't even that gluttonous. I took the kids out for for a meal on Christmas Eve, and that and I to be fair, I ate more meat on that day on my plate than I have done probably all year. <laughs> I was so desperate for something which wasn't a, a a replacement shake or something. But um, yeah, loosening up on the diet and just enjoying Christmas for what it is, you know, but having fun, chilling out of family, speaking to friends, and that. And again, it's it, as we've known, it's, it's been a bit of a crappy time, so it's nice to just you know let what little hair I have down. I know that's. You, you won't like hearing that <laughs> what little air i have down and <laughs> just having a good time but now yes as of tonight uh, i am back on the wagon again uh the diet the the exercise wagon at least anyway because uh i always find something satisfying and i know a lot of people do the idea of going to the gym sometimes i like it sometimes i don't at the minute i'm thinking oh no it's gonna be a chore but i know as soon as i get out and i think right there's you know 50 minutes maybe of good exercise I've sweat myself stupid. I know I've lost some calories and, and that 
you, you you've you, it's kind of it's like paying yourself on the back being like yep i did that i've achieved that and it's only and when i look back in three months hopefully six months whenever i think cool you look great man it's going to be because of going out on a cold night like this and just putting the effort in so hard work reaps the rewards and if we're both getting back on it by the sounds of my friend so that sounds mm. bloody awesome to me i think so I think so too. So uh, that episode two was bloody awesome. I didn't necessarily think the Matrix Resurrections was, but JB did. Uh, and next week we're going to be coming at you with something. It's either going to be a movie or it will be a, a day off, depending on how much beer John drank over New Year. Um, but there's a plethora of films coming out or that have come out this yeah, week or that's next the problem. There week. is there's not so a, many. There's nothing new coming out per se um, from what I could find for this coming week. But there's a lot of stuff that has come out over this month that we have not covered we'll either be coming at you with a film review or, or we'll be compiling our best of worst we'll say worst of negative our best mm. of or alternative lists for 2021 obviously otherwise i didn't even think about that that makes a lot of sense i've just thought about it in my head now so I, but those films that are on your list I, I do have to watch so though i think the lost daughter comes out next year in the uk so ocd said otherwise so um but we will be back i'm sure if not we'll let you know but i'm sure we'll be back in some way shape or form next week however if you want to follow us you can do on social media go on to twitter go onto the bird app and find us at bamp underscore podcast b-a-m-p underscore podcast and instagram where can they find us jb bloody awesome movie pod and if like the film we covered today you're feeling meta uh-huh. go on go back to facebook meta uh, bloody awesome movie podcast you'll find us on there you can find me at what i watch tonight.co.uk uh or you can go and find me what i watch tonight on twitter instagram or letterboxd i generally had to remember what i was referred to myself of as then so uh john where can the world find you i am at burkreviews.com and at burkreviews on all the social media platforms and go check out the statesman and if you like what you've just heard please do consider rating us with five stars of course on your podcast provider of choice and you can now rate us on spotify i've checked i've verified mm-hmm. that you can give us a five stars on spotify as well as apple and all the rest of them that would go down massively well it gets more listeners in and it means we get to hear more opinions from film fans because we too are film fans ourselves so uh thank you everyone for listening enjoy your new years stay safe stay well wear a mask enjoy films hopefully 2022 is going to be the year of wonderful films but with that as always stay bloody awesome and keep watching movies When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Blood, 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 bloody, blood, 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 bloody.